Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're in this place with us right now, God. I thank you, Lord, because you are all that we need, God. You are the great I am, Lord Jesus. And I just pray right now, God, that our hearts and our minds would be open to receive from you tonight, God. Your hand is not too short that you cannot save, God. I thank you for what you're going to do, a mighty move of God tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. You guys can take your seats. We are in a series as a church called uh, the Evangelism Series. Evangelism Series. Now, for those in the church or maybe those that outside of the church, evangelism might be kind of like a Christianese type term they've probably never heard if you've never been to church. But all it is is just preaching the word, it's sharing the good news. And that's really for each and every one of us as believers. We all have that assignment is to share the good news of God, share our testimony, what God has done to save mankind and restore relationship with his father. So back in the 1800s, one of the greatest evangelists ever to be grew up in Massachusetts, Northfield, Massachusetts, 17 years old, moved to Boston. Now, Pastor Mike probably knows who I'm talking about already. (laughs) Um, This young man of 17 years old decides to move to Boston He ends up taking a job from his uncle at a shoe store with one condition. The uncle said, hey, if if I'm going to hire you, you got to start attending church every single Sunday. Now I'll say that's a great uncle. Take some notes. So, so, So he decides to hire him on. So sure enough, this young man starts going to Sunday school, showing up every Sunday. And his Sunday school teacher was a man named Edward Kimball. Edward Kimball saw him you know, had a, this, this heart for the young man to, to see him saved. And one day, while this young man was working at the shoe store, Edward Kimball was walking by, and he ends up walking past the door, knowing that this young man worked there. And he started having, like, an internal battle, like, man, should I go and, and talk to this young man? Should I go witness to him and share God's love to him? And he was, you know, going back and forth, and he said, you know what, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to go for it. So he walks into the shoe store and finds him in the back wrapping up shoes, getting ready to put them on shelves. And he begins to share God's love for this young man. How God's love can change him. He shares the gospel with them. And in that shoe store, this young man accepts Jesus. And it was life changing. He ends up going to Chicago to start up his own shoe business with the idea of, hey, I want to make a hundred grand, make a lot of money doing this. And he starts having some success there, but God puts it on his heart to actually start doing his own Sunday school. So as a 19-year-old kid now, he begins to do a Sunday school, and literally a revival starts breaking out in Chicago. By the age of 23, he's leading the biggest church in all of Chicago. He begins to travel throughout the country, preaching the gospel, and then he starts going overseas to the UK and, and ministering out there. He's a credit for almost... Um, leading 750 to a million people to the Lord. 
It is said that he preached to almost 100 million people, this young man. And it was all because a Sunday school teacher decided to say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to let fear keep me from walking into this shoe store and sharing the good news with this young man who I believe God's going to do something in his life. And that man was D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody, one of the greatest evangelists, definitely of the 1800s. And D.L. Moody has some incredible, incredible um, quotes. One of them is, so if you turn one to Christ, one may turn a hundred, they may turn a thousand. And so the stream, small at first, goes on broadening and deepening as it rolls to, to eternity. If you turn one to Christ. And then another one, which I love, is this. The churches would soon be filled if outsiders could find that the people in them loved them when they came. If people inside the churches loved the outsiders when they came. I love that. We talk about as a church of, of you know, making people feel known, seen, loved, wanted, needed. And that's exactly the heart behind that message. You know, we just had a Pathfinders conference, and the theme, um, the theme of the conference was take the city. Take the city. But here's the thing. If God is going to have his people take the city, he's only going to give a city to a people that can carry his heart. He will only give a city to the people that can carry his heart. That's how you take a city. That's why there's cities that are being devastated throughout the world is because God has not found a people that can carry his heart into the, every sphere of influence, wherever they may be. You could be a business owner, a police officer, work in a grocery store, whatever it is. But we are all called to a mission to lead people to Christ. That's evangelism. That's evangelism. So the title of my message today is Heart for the City. Heart for the City. And the story is really going to be centered around the, good, the story of the Good Samaritan. Um, but before I get there, I want to talk about the passage right before Jesus begins to share um, that parable. And it's found in uh, Luke 10, verses 25 through 29. And this is what it says. And a certain lawyer, an expert in Mosaic law, stood up to test him, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? He replied, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So he's literally telling him, okay, let's see. Let me see how you interpret this. How do you understand this? How do you understand how do we get to, to, to a place where we receive this eternal life? And he says this, he says, Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this habitually and you will live life. But this man said, he said, wishing to justify and vindicate himself, asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? In other words, he said he loved God and he believed he was justified in that to get to heaven. He did not have a full understanding of the scriptures the heart behind the scriptures, the heart of God. See, in order to have the heart of God, you got to understand God's heart for you. 
I'm going to say that one more time. In order to have the heart of God, you got to understand God's heart for you. See, you learn to love God when you first begin to understand how much he loves you. And that love propels us to love him with all our heart, all our soul, all our strength, all our mind. It's God's loving kindness that leads us to repentance. It's when we begin to understand, man, God loves me so, so much that I don't want to even live a sinful life anymore. I don't want to engage in anything that is not pleasing unto the Lord and to live a life of obedience in God's word. See, when you have the heart of God, you care about the things God cares about. See, God cares about salvation, people getting saved. The word of God says that it's, it's, it's not... Um, that it's not God's will for any man that should perish. He cares for the brokenhearted. The, the Bible says that God is a mender of the brokenhearted. He cares about people that are in bondage because he says that he came to set the captives free. This is the heart of God. It's to see people give their life to him and then for those people to be freed out of bondage. Freed out of addiction. Every curse in your family line to be broken. So you're not living in chains. See, God loves you so much to not allow you to stay in a place of brokenness and loneliness or, or isolation or depression or addiction. You know, as, as a young man, I was fairly young when my parents split up and, and they separated and that was really the the most traumatic time in my life up until that point you know I grew up in the church um, I felt like I had a really good childhood but when that happened that was kind of the destruction of the home and what I found myself was that I didn't even know it but I, I, I went into a depression I went into isolation and then I allowed rejection into my life and what happened was that began to form in me a, a, a orphan mindset, an orphan mindset. And what I began to do as I began to grow out through my teenage years, I began to look for acceptance in other people, validation in other people, that it didn't matter what they were doing if it was bad things, that I wanted to engage in that too, just so they, that I could feel like, you know what, they accept me, they, they love me, they they want me part of their crowd. So I went through my teenage years getting drunk and, you know, um, being manipulative to girls to, to try to get what I wanted. And I, I went through a party stage and I started hanging out with people who were doing crime. And although I wasn't fully engaged in that type of life, I was around it. And I was on my way towards that type of lifestyle. See, I had friends that were doing burglary, stealing cars. I wasn't doing any of that, but I was hanging out with them, drinking. You know, as they were smoking weed or selling drugs, I was around all of that. And I thank God that he saved me in time to not allow me to go into that path that would have been such a path of destruction for my life. You see, yet when I was a sinner, Christ died for me. 
See, none of it matters, the heart for the city, none of it matters if you don't get this right here, is that God loves you, he loves you, and he wants you to understand this, is that he has a heart for you, a plan for your life. There isn't one time where I go preaching that I don't tell people this, that God has a purpose and a plan for you, because the enemy is a liar and will tell you otherwise. He will try to lie to you and say, hey, you're not, you're going to be just like your dad and your granddaddy who's addicted to drugs, but I'm here to tell you today that God has freedom that you need. The curse can be broken in your generational line so that your kids don't have to go through the same type of things. That's the type of freedom that we have in Jesus heart for God heart for God it starts there and everything else flows from that God so loved the world he so loved the world that he gave his only son for each and every one of us it was a mission right after he he has this conversation with it with this man who was as the Bible says, he was a, a lawyer, which is not in the way that we would think of it, like a lawyer in the courts. It was a, he was a man that was an expert in the Mosaic law, possibly even a, a, a Pharisee himself. Possibly a Pharisee in himself. So it's, it, it's pretty intentional who Jesus uses in this story to explain things. Because he, he explains some things that are relatable to this man. And then he explains some, uses some characters that are pretty extreme to get some points across. So my, my next point is this. It's heart for people. Heart for people. Heart for God. Heart for people. So he begins to share this parable right after they have this conversation about eternal life. The guy's like, who's my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Well, let me tell you who your neighbor is. You know, the Samaritan people that you don't like, that you guys don't get along with, that you guys don't see eye to eye with in your faith, and you see him as unclean and people you don't want to be around. Well, I'm going to make him the hero in the story. How about that for some shock factor? <laughs> Let's make that guy you don't like the hero of the story. So the, go the story goes as follows. There's a man that is on a, a journey, I believe, from Jerusalem to Jericho. And while he's on this journey, he gets robbed. He gets robbed by some thieves, gets stripped of his clothes, his belongings, gets beaten, half beaten on the ground. He's out. This guy's out. And the Bible says that a priest comes by, sees him, and then goes on the other side of the road. And then a Levite sees him and does the same thing, goes on the side of the road, Knows he's in need, knows he needs help, but is not willing to do so. Is not willing to do so. They go, Pat, and the thing about this is that these people were supposed to represent God. They were supposed to be the ones that carried the heart of God. They were God's mouthpiece for the people of Israel. Yet they weren't willing to take a moment to acknowledge somebody that was in need in a moment. I believe it's Matthew chapter 15 that says they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from, from me. Their hearts are far from me. And that's exactly what that was. They looked like they had it all together on the outside. They knew the word, but yet weren't willing to live it out the way it was supposed to be lived out. So these guys pass them by. And then here comes the Samaritan man. And I'm going to read the scriptures here from Luke Chapter 10, 
verses 33 to 34. And it says, But a Samaritan foreigner who was traveling came upon him, and when he saw him, he was deeply moved with compassion for him, and went to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil, wine on them. It was to soothe and disinfect the injury. And then he put him on his own pack animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. See, our compassion should be followed up with action. It was compassion that moved him. See, love without action is just a false compassion. It's not really compassion. He tended to the man's wounds. See, you can learn to love people the way God loves them when you first understand the love that God has for you. This man understood it. He was a castaway. He would be seen as a castaway in, in their society, in, in their culture. But yet Jesus says, hey, look at this Samaritan man is just like me. It's just like me. You guys thought you knew what you needed in the Messiah, that you guys thought it was a, a natural king that would restore the kingdom of Israel, but I came in a different way, and you guys missed it. You guys missed it. So, he, so it's the good Samaritans that's the hero, but he took the time to actually care for the man, care for his wounds, pour out wine and oil on him, and... and, and Try to, 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 to make them wow. How many times do we go in life seeing people who are busted up, broken, half beaten like this man, and yet we walk by and pass them by? How many people in our family or at our work that we see are in need, but we're not moved in that same compassion for them? to help them out, to see them into freedom, to see them into wholeness, to see them into restoration, to see them into redemption. Because that's the heart of God. It's the heart of God. You know, this past Sunday was quite the Sunday for us, I would say. It was a Sunday like uh, no other Sunday, I'm going to be honest. Um, right after church, I get a message on Instagram from a, from a family member in a different state and said, hey, my brother needs some help. He needs some help. He's in a depression. He's not acting the same. And all these weird things are going on in his life. And she sends me all these, you know, pictures of things going on. And, and I'm, I'm, what I'm noticing is that, like, this is witchcraft. This is some witchcraft type stuff going on in his life. He had these crazy like scratches on his body that looked like claws that would, scratches that would come and leave, come and go, trying to figure out what is this. And she's like, reach out to him. So I had to make a decision. Am I going to call him or not? So I decided obviously to call him thinking that, well, he's probably in another like state because that's where he lives. And turns out he was actually in San Diego and he was ready to take a flight the next day. So in that moment, knowing what's going on is that my cousin has curses and things that are being done against his life. I feel prompted in my spirit, like, okay, I have to, I have to meet with him. So I tell him, hey, we have a, we'll have our high school service, but after our high school service, just come to my house. So right after our high school service, we're getting ready to, to go take care of this and and, you know, my son, Luke, he pees all over his pants, and we're like, oh, 
man, he's peed all over. Like, we got to go. We got to get out of here. Oh, Lori's supposed to, you know, go to her mom's house, and I'm supposed to meet with, this, with my, my, my family member alone, and, and it's just not going right. But I said, no, Holy Spirit, you are in control. You gave me the authority and power to be able to deal with this. I had a prompting in my spirit that I knew he was going to be set free that night. So we began to, to meet, and, and, and we're talking, and he's explaining everything. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, hey, after, you know, he explains what's going on in his life, I say, hey, let's, re, you know, rededicate your life to God right now. Let's pray. And he does so, and, and I feel the Holy Spirit just say, hey, just start praying. So I tell him, just pray over there. I'm going to pray right here. So we're, we're going at it. We're praying. We're praying. And, and then I feel the Holy Spirit say, okay, now go. So I go to him and I, he's right there in the corner of my room and I put my hand on him and right away I just say, power of the Holy Spirit fall upon him. And literally right when I said that, what do you think happened? Yeah, it was some paranormal type stuff started happening. The boom, hits the ground, starts slithering around like a snake and I'm now praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, going to war. For my cousin. And we spent a lot of time in that room. And, you know, he's vomiting. And things are coming out. And he's getting delivered from the spirit. And this thing's talking to me in a crazy voice. And, yeah, all these different personalities coming through. And, and we're going at it. And I'm like, okay, this, this has been a while. Let me call uh, Pastor Lorena and Pastor Adrian over here. Let's get some reinforcements. So shout out to them when they listen to this. I love them so much. Because it was like, okay, tag, you're in. <laughs> you're in. <laughs> so it was awesome because they came and, you know, we took everything to another room because uh, that room was all messed up. We're swimming in vomit. <laughs> so so we're, we sit them down and, and, and we begin to go over everything again, talking, and it's just full-blown, like, talking to us and, and, and crazy and, and you and know when it's him and, and you know when it's not him and we're literally praying for him and, and by the end of the night, I mean, we got the victory. He was set free from that bondage of demonic spirits. I mean, come on. Come on. Somebody is in this room that needs to know that there are people that have power that is far greater than any demonic force, any warlock, any witch. I don't care what country you come from, there is nothing that compares to the power of the Holy Spirit activated in a believer's life to cast out demons. It doesn't compare, and that's the thing is that you don't need to fear these things. God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And I'm here to tell you today that those things are subject to you. It would listen to what I had to say because it understood that I was operating under the power of the Holy Spirit. But how willing are we to take a moment to have compassion for someone that is broken and say, hey, I know you're broken. I know they're doing curses on you. But hey, I know that we could get you freedom through the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's go from here to over here. Let's go to the inn, the house of God where you can find restoration and community and people can disciple you and lead you. A heart for people. We have to have a heart for people, for the broken, for the lost. My third point is this. 
heart for the mission. Heart for God, heart for people, heart for the mission. We want to see a, a city taken for Jesus. We got to have these things. And it's Luke 10, 35 through 37. And it says, on the next day, he took out two denarii, two days wages, and he gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of them. Whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I return. Which of these three do you think proved himself a neighbor to the man who encountered the robbers? He answered, the one who showed compassion and mercy to him. Then Jesus said to him, go and constantly do the same. Go and constantly do the same. To have a heart for the kingdom, you have to have a heart for the mission. The mission is to go. Jesus told the man, go and constantly do the same. Jesus told his disciple, go and make disciples. God told Moses, go. I will use you to set my people free. God told Isaiah, whom shall I send? Isaiah says, send me, I will go. The, the mission of the kingdom is to go. To go make disciples of every nation. He gave us power to be a witness. Each and every one of you is filled with power to be a witness. The mission of the kingdom is go. You know, I love the story of Moses. You know, at three months, you're... Three months he was sent out to the, the Nile River because of a decree that was sent out by Pharaoh to kill all the, the, the Hebrew boys. And the Bible says that, the, that, that his mom was like, 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 man, my son is beautiful. So you know she did not want to do it, but she knew if she hung on to him that they would come to kill him. So she sent him off and he gets pretty much adopted into Pharaoh's household because the Pharaoh's daughter begins to... To, to take a man in. And the thing about Moses is, he really, he didn't have his father in his life, his birth dad. That's all he really knew of him was up until that point, three months, couple months old. And then Pharaoh wanted to kill Moses. You know, you would think you grew up in his house, but Moses messed up and killed an Egyptian and, Mo and Pharaoh was on his way to kill him. But I love the story of the burning bush is that when God encounters Moses while, while he's in that burning bush, he says, Moses, Moses, literally saying, I know you. You may not know me, but I'm here to tell you today that I know you. Moses made all these different excuses of why he couldn't do what God was telling him. Who do I tell them sent me? I am that I am. But I don't know if I can say that I have a stuttering problem. I have this issue. I don't know if I can say that. Say this. Well, I don't know if I can do that, but God says, do this. Do this. Just go. Just go. I will be with you wherever you go. Do not be discouraged nor afraid. God is with you. When he says go, best believe he is with you. He is with you. He has empowered you to carry out his heart. This past Monday, we went to go see a, an incredible movie called Domino Revival. And we, 
we took some of our, our favorite people from our team. Yeah, look at them, they're over there. <laughs> it was an amazing movie because it, sh- it, it shared pretty much the testimony of some pastors who launched uh, an online ministry, some of them right before COVID and some of them during COVID time that didn't have an online platform. But during that time, they, their, their platforms began to blow up. You know, hundreds of thousands, millions of people are watching these things. And literally, the, 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 like the main pastor who had the vision for this movie, he just recently had a revival service in the middle of Times Square like a, a two weeks ago where thousands were in the streets of, of, of Times Square worshiping and praising God. You know, I've been hearing that word revival, revival, revival like never before. I don't think I've ever in my Christian journey heard revival more than I've heard this year from Asbury to all the things happening on campuses. But I'm here to tell you today is that I've experienced my own revival. And I begin to experience what it looks like to go. I've always wondered, God, why? Why did you choose me? Why? As I'm watching this movie, I'm seeing so many people moved. God freeing people, people giving their life to God. And I'm having a yearning in, my, in the pit of my stomach that says, God, I know you're calling me to this, to this type of influence. And I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it from one to 10, to 100, to 200, at funerals, wherever it may be. I've been seeing so many people give their life to Jesus. I've seen between over 100 to 200 high schoolers with my very own eyes say, I want Jesus. I want Jesus. Just today, 17 kids made a decision to receive Jesus on a public school. Because I'm here to tell you is God is looking for a people that is willing to say, uh, send me, I will go. Who is it that will go and carry the heart of God? Who is it that will have the heart for people? Who will have a heart for the mission? Send me, God, I will go. It doesn't matter what it is, God. I'm available to you. Do we have that same type of mindset, God? Do whatever it is you want to do in my life. I'm available to you. You know, there's someone here today that hasn't fully committed to God. You know, maybe you're 99% in. 99. But even at 99, it's still 100% disobedience. God wants everything from you. He wants everything from you. He wants 100% of you. And I'm here to tell you today, some of you have been trying some things that haven't been working for you. Your finances are all messed up. Try giving. Your marriage is on the brink of divorce. Try loving the way God loves your spouse. With grace and humility. Some of you have children that are far from God. I'm here to tell you today, he can save the prodigal. Do you believe? What could happen with all the faith in the room? 
what God can do in your family. I'm seeing family members all over here, right here, right there, right in the back, man. What God is doing in my family is just the beginning. What will God do in your family when you surrender it all and surrender your heart and say, God, I want to carry your heart wherever I go. Every Tuesday, I'm meeting with coworkers in a, in a room and we pray. And as we pray, I'm seeing God just move in that room and coworkers crying. And then I'm seeing coworkers show up to the house of God here and say, hey, I'm going to night of Christmas. I'm going to emerge. It is time to go. Everybody stand up. I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus today. Some of you have been searching and haven't found what you need, and I'm here to tell you today that once you receive Jesus, you will find everything that you need in this life. But you have to be willing to say, yes, I receive your love, God. I receive it right now. It's a free gift. So if we could just close our eyes and I want to know who you are. It takes boldness and courage to live this life out. It takes boldness and courage to go into a shoe store and witness to a young man. It's going to take boldness and courage to take a city. If you want to receive Jesus today on the count of three, just shoot your hand up in the air. I want to know who you are today. Three, two, one, just shoot your hand up in the air. Thank you over there, thank you over there, thank you over there. Thank you over there. People are responding, I thank you, Heavenly Father. Why don't you just repeat after me, if you responded, say this, thank you, Heavenly Father, for sending your son, Jesus, on a rescue mission for my soul. I believe that Christ died for my sins and the blood that was shed on Calvary covers all my sins. Today I receive you Jesus and I promise you to serve you for the rest of my days in Jesus mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. If that was you, let's put our hands together. I want to know who you are. If you could just come up to the altar, I would love to meet you. And if we got the ministry team, if we got the ministry team, come up forward. Thank you so much for responding. incredible all right final thing is this final thing is this we've talked about some things some heavy things some addictions some bondage of, uh, of evil spirits and and I'm here to tell you today that anytime you come into the house of God it's a it's a moment of, of freedom it's a moment you can receive freedom and if we're to say we care about people then why not now why not now to see people set free and delivered 
If there's anything on your heart that you feel like, I just don't know what it is. This is holding me down. I feel a cloud of depression. I'm feeling suicidal. I don't know what it is. I'm going crazy. I'm having tormenting thoughts. I'm here to tell you today, if you would be willing to have the courage to walk up front, God is going to set you free. He will set you free. I don't know what it is, but if that's you, just come up to the front and get prayer.
Thank you, Heavenly Father, God, right now, Lord, that you are setting people free of addiction and bondage, God. I thank you that curses are being broken, God, that altars are being dismantled, God. I thank you, Lord, that covenants are being broken. Every ungodly covenant is broken in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I thank you, God, that you are calling a people, God, to have a heart like yours, God. I just thank you right now, God, that you are in our presence right now, God, that whatever it is that we need, God, that we can have it right now, God. I thank you, Jesus, for saving us, God, for loving us, God. Yet when we were still sinners, you died for us, Lord. I just thank you right now, God, for the blessing upon each and every one of your people here in this place, God. Let your presence follow them everywhere they go, Lord. And may they be a people that says, send me, I will go, God. Let them be a people that will carry your heart out, God, to outside these walls, Lord. I just thank you right now. You put a desire and a fresh fire in your people to have a heart for the mission and a heart for this city. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.